Happy Monday, everybody. Welcome back to Unbothered. Today, I'm going to be getting right into the NFL Top 100. Yesterday, revealed players 20 to 1. I react to that, and I also give my top 10 players in the NFL right now from this current past season. And then the last week of preseason has finished. My final thoughts and observations on that. And then college football, Nebraska loses to Northwestern. Should Scott Frost be fired? And then Caden McNamara, J.J. McCarthy, each starting a game. My thoughts on that. And then I'll finish up with Rory McIlroy, who won his third FedEx Cup this past weekend. So let's get right into it. With the NFL Top 100, and I got to say, as I was watching it last night, I thought it was inevitable that it would be similar to last year where it would, you know, be an Aaron Donald, Aaron Rodgers battle the Aarons yet again. So as I got to three, I was very surprised that Aaron Rodgers was three. I mean, that's exactly how I would have, you know, if I have to rank Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Donald, I'd put Aaron Rodgers at three. But I wasn't expecting Aaron Rodgers to be, uh, you know, number three, especially with some of the promos that came out for the NFL Top 100. Uh, Tyron Matthew saying that that spot's reserved for Aaron Rodgers. I thought, you know, Aaron Rodgers hasn't been number one, that, you know, it's Aaron's time. So I was very surprised when he was number three. When last year he was number uh, three as well, uh, you know, because he's such a great quarterback. He's the back-to-back MVP. People just rave about Aaron Rodgers all the time, how great he is. Uh, never look at anything he can do. It's always a greatness with Aaron Rodgers. So I was very surprised to see him at number three. Uh, but that's exactly how I would have voted because even though he is a back-to-back MVP, Great regular season. I think players, you know, this is voted by the players. They look at, you know, playoffs as well. They play them. And they notice a different Aaron in the playoffs than it is regular season. Regular season, it's very hard to touch Aaron Rodgers. Uh, His numbers, what he does at an extremely high level. Then come postseason, he doesn't raise his game. And he's not even the same regular season Aaron Rodgers. He kind of takes a step back where, to me, uh, I think it's deserving that he was number three and not in the top two. So then after that, you had the Aaron Donald, Tom Brady. And I'm thinking players are going to vote Aaron Donald because he just won the Super Bowl. You know, the ring meet. You know, it's just it's going to be Aaron Donald. Everything leading up to that decision on the NFL Network. Uh, was, you know, Aaron Donald versus Tom Brady, the games they've kind of played against each other the past two years in Tampa and in uh, Los Angeles. However, they did not want to note or show when Tom Brady beat Aaron Donald in the Super Bowl. Uh, They wanted to omit that from the coverage. So then they put Aaron Donald at two. And that surprised me as well because, again, that's how I would have had it. And then, of course, Tom Brady was one. And they got the top three right. 
there's no question about it. You know, I'll get into some more gripes that I have after this, but in terms of the top three players in the NFL right now, they got it right. Two best quarterbacks and the best defensive player. You know, Aaron Rodgers, back-to-back MVP. Tom Brady, the greatest ever do it. And, you know, one thing that everyone acknowledged, you know, all the players yesterday was, you know, he's playing at such a high level. His his passing numbers, uh, his accuracy, everything, it's, it's up there with, you know, the MVP Aaron Rodgers are all, you know, one and two in almost every stat, passing stat. But the one thing that's noted, Tom Brady's doing this elite things, which most quarterbacks the year they had last year, or the year Tom Brady had last year, most quarterbacks have never done that in league history. Uh, very few quarterbacks have thrown for over 5,000 yards, if I'm not mistaken. mistaken, I think it's been, you know, Matt Stafford uh, has done it once. Peyton Manning has done it a couple times. Uh, Tom Brady has done it uh, as well. Drew Brees a couple times. So only very few quarterbacks, but they all have done it, you know, in their prime. Peyton Manning, it was his MVP season coming back from his surgery, which was, you know, spectacular by Drew Brees. It was in his uh, elite days. Matthew Stafford, when he was younger, had Calvin Johnson Jr. Tom Brady's doing this at 44 years old. It was last year. Uh, He had these insane numbers, 44 years old. And, you know, he had the jokes, Jerry Judy saying, you know, he's, you know, 80 years old, thrown for 5,000 yards. So, you know, People realize, you know, not just how tough it is to play football, but especially playing at such a high level at his age is sort of um, unimaginable uh, that Tom Brady is this elite at 44 years old. That, you know, when we talk about Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, who are 25, 26, what they're doing now can they still do that 15, 20 years later like Tom Brady has been doing it? Uh, you know, will they? Will Justin Herbert be doing this, what he did last year, for another 20 years on a consistent basis like Tom Brady? Uh, you know, I would go to the no side of that, lean towards, you know, it's not likely to happen. Uh because I think Tom Brady's one-on-one and what he is doing in the league right now, still dominating at a high level. But what else didn't I like? Or I like that. What else am I going to react to from this list? One of the things I thought was super high, Micah Parsons, rookie, ranked all the way at 16. I get it. He's a reigning NFL defensive rookie of the year. Was unanimous. He was great last year. 84 tackles, 13 sacks, uh, 20 TFLs, which is 20 tackles for loss. I mean, he was great. Uh, Is the off-ball linebacker slash edge rusher. He was dominant last year. He was really good. But to jump all the way up to 16, 16 I thought was high. Uh, You know, one of the people behind him was Justin Jefferson. And I have to pick a building block around my team, what I've seen so far. I'm taking Justin Jefferson uh, 
you know, again, he's entering his third year. He's only played two years. But in two years so far, he's already surpassed 3,000 yards. Last year was just exceptional. 108 receptions, 1,600 yards, 10 touchdowns. Uh, you know, in what, what I'm reading a lot is, you know, he's kind of the, the poster child for Gen Z. And I've got to say it's pretty true because, you know, my brother, younger than me, loves Justin Jefferson. Loves Justin Jefferson. That's his guy. That's his favorite player. Uh, and, you know, I just think Justin Jefferson, especially last year, has had a bigger impact in the NFL on his position than Micah Parsons. Uh, you know, Shaq Leonard, you know, is another premier linebacker. Uh, who's more of the Mike linebacker, lines up right in the middle there, uh, signal caller. I like him more than Micah Parsons as well. Uh, and then even Jamar Chase, who's offensive rookie of the year. Uh, you know, I think they should be closer. Jamar Chase is around 24. Uh, Micah Parsons is there at 16. Another player, J.C. Jackson, I thought should be higher than Micah Parsons. Uh, you know, Jackson's like the interception leader, you know, his – Nickname is Mr. INT. You know, he's had 25 interceptions since entering the league in 2018, most in the NFL. Last year, 23 passes defensed, eight interceptions last year. Uh, quarterbacks throwing his way, 48 passer rating. Uh, you just can't throw towards J.C. Jackson. He shuts down one side of the field. I think he is the best corner in the game. Uh, and that's something I'll also get into in a few minutes. Another thing I didn't agree with was Cooper Cup ahead of Devontae Adams. Uh, again, Cooper Cup last year wasn't even in the NFL Top 100. And now he's moved all the way up to number four. And I get it. He has the stats last year, the Triple Crown uh, with the 145 receptions, second most in NFL history, 1,947 yards, second most in league history, and he led the league with 16 touchdowns, was Offensive Player of the Year, uh, even had some MVP votes, one Super Bowl MVP, uh, was just phenomenal. Uh, but I look at the insane amount of targets he had, uh, just shy of 200 targets. And it makes it clear that, you know, Cooper Cup has this because of the insane chemistry he has with Matthew Stafford. Some of that's due to Matthew Stafford because this isn't Cooper Cup's first year in the league. He's been in the NFL for a while. And now we see this where, to me, Devontae Adams has been the model of consistency. He's led the league in receiving yards and receiving touchdowns the past five seasons. And to me, you know, Cooper Cup finds a way to get open. But Devontae Adams' route running, his release, his awareness, Cooper Cup is not on that level. He doesn't have those intangibles that Devontae Adams has. Uh, so to me, it's clear that Devontae Adams is the best wide receiver. Uh, even last year, he had career highs. Receptions, 123. Receiving yards, 1,500, while having 11 touchdowns. It's just great. And, you know, a lot of teams have been double-covering Devontae, where last year, 
Cooper Cup didn't see as many double teams is I think he's going to see this year in the NFL where you know when you line up from number 17 what you're getting last year. You really didn't know that with Cooper Cup uh, going into the season. Now teams have recognized it. So I want to see is you're going to have the Devontae Adams back-to-back-to-back-to-back performances every single year, year in and year out like him, or is this a one-hit kind of season? Now shifting back to cornerback. Jalen Ramsey was the first-ranked cornerback and was also in the NFL top 10, which I thought was absolutely absurd that Jalen Ramsey was this high. As I just recently said that J.C. Jackson, I think he is the best corner in the game. So to see Jalen Ramsey this five to me, or this high to me, is unbelievable, considering this wasn't even his best season. Uh, And then you had, you know, the players yesterday call him a generational-type talent. Some said the best defensive player right now. Some said the best player in the NFL. Uh, That's when my jaw dropped to the floor. Because to me, he's not even the best corner in the game. Uh, You know, I like his new role in this defense to where he doesn't just shut down one side of the field. Uh, He's more in the slot, so he can always, you know, make a play on the ball. You know, I think he is has great, you know, cover skills, zone skills. But what I saw from Jalen Ramsey this past season isn't, you know, something I see from a true shutdown corner, a generational type player. You know, I think of generational cornerbacks. I think of uh, Deion Sanders. I think of Darrell Revis. I even throw him a Richard Sherman's. Akeem Tlaib had a you know, a few great seasons in there. But Jalen Ramsey, really? Uh, obviously, you know, a lot of those players that were in interviewed yesterday didn't make the playoffs. So I don't know if they didn't watch any playoff games. Uh, but Super Bowl, Jamar Chase burned him a couple times. Uh, Mike Evans, same thing as well. Uh, Debo Samuel, other 49ers turned Jalen Ramsey around. So I don't want to discredit Jalen Ramsey because I think he's good, but I don't want to hear this generational type talent, best corner in the game, because he's not that guy. And again, like I've been saying, I'm not going to be surprised if I see more teams take a shot at Jalen Ramsey after what they witnessed in the Super Bowl. Meaning if you've got a quarterback, you know, look at – Week one, I think, is going to be a big indication of that. Where if you've got a good quarterback, good receiver duo, which Jalen Ramsey's in the face, and Josh Allen and Aaron Donald, I'm not going to be surprised if, my bad, not Aaron Donald, uh, Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs. I'm not going to be surprised if Josh Allen throws to Stephon Diggs on Jalen Ramsey, uh, threads the needle, and Stephon Diggs hits some plays on Jalen Ramsey. Maybe Gabriel Davis as well. I would not be surprised because Jalen Ramsey is not that dude. I think defenses of offensive have done their work, and they know you know Jalen Ramsey is a premier 
you know, top five cornerback in this league, but he's not, you know, unbeatable. He's not, uh, you know, true shutdown where if I see Jalen Ramsey on one side of the field, I'm not even going to look that way uh, where we used to see back in the day with Richard Sherman, Aaron Rodgers wouldn't even look his way, wouldn't even attempt to throw that way. Uh, So just to put that into some perspective. Now with that, I'm going to give you my top 10 players in the league from 2022. And I think they're still going to be great this year. This is my top 10. Number 10, Trent Williams. To me, he is by far the best offensive lineman in the game. By far. And to me, if you are the best at your position, and there's no one comparable, you know, we've had, we have good offensive linemen, you know, great elite, you know, the Quentin Nelsons, the Zach Martins, Trent Williams is on another level, uh, offensive tackle for the 49ers. Uh, he is on another level, especially coming on this year. To me, he proved he's the best at his position. First team all pro. He's been a nine-time pro bowler. Uh, and when I look at a left tackle, you know, that's protecting your quarterback's blind side. Uh, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo last year in a pocket didn't have to look at, you know, his left tackle is somebody coming around my left side. Do I have to, you know, creep around, you know, feel a pocket collapsing? You don't have to worry about Trenton Williams, uh, you know, going to give up a sack or somebody get around him. He's just great. His footwork is amazing. Uh, he had a 96.6 player grade last year from Pro Football Focus, the highest of any player last year. He is stout in pass blocking. Like I said, he doesn't give up sacks. And then run blocking as well. He is a key piece of this 49ers run game where it's, you know, either stretch runs or power runs where they'll pull Trent Williams from the left side and he'll run out and block on the right side. And, you know, nothing's more terrifying of, you know, a 6'6", 300-pound man, you know, bulldozing your way. Uh, to you. Uh, so he's just great in both assets of the blocking game, run and pass. Trent Williams is number 10 on my list. Number nine, Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor had an excellent year, year last year, uh, was runner up to the offensive player of the year, NFL reigning, uh, Rushing uh, champion, had the rushing title last year, uh, had 1,800 rushing yards, led the league by 552 yards, and also had 20 total touchdowns, more touchdowns by uh, non-quarterback all year. And he also had 360 receiving yards as well, which pushed him to a total of close to 2,200 total yards, all pro. Pro Bowler, 50 10-plus yard runs, and then just a bunch of big plays, break tackles, breakaway speed as well. Jonathan Taylor was truly fantastic in his first year starting with the Colts. Uh, 
I don't think he's the best running back in the NFL. I'm going to say that for Derrick Henry. But since Derrick Henry was hurt last year, by default, I've got to give it to Jonathan Taylor. And it's not like, you know, I'm really giving it to him. Jonathan Taylor went out and earned this with his play last year. He was terrific. He was the focal point for the Colts. And he almost single-handedly got the Colts into the playoffs if it wasn't for Carson Wentz and his poor decision-making at the end of the season. Number eight, T.J. Watt. T.J. Watt had a fantastic year last year, tied the NFL sack record at 22.5, so close to breaking it, won the Defensive Player of the Year award last year, so it only makes sense. Uh, He's a sack artist. You know, fourth consecutive double-digit sack season, uh, 72 sacks so far through five seasons. Uh, Again, all-pro, pro-bowler. Last year also had five forced fumbles, three fumble recoveries, led the league with 21 tackles for loss. Uh, He was all in in the quarterback. It seemed like he was on the backfield in every play. You know, you could double-team him off the edge. You couldn't get there. Triple-team him. Sometimes that wasn't enough. And the thing about T.J. Watt as well is he has such a high motor. He's so fast at you know, if a pocket is breaking down and the quarterback goes to escape either through the edge or try to run up the middle, T.J. Watt seems to always be there, throw the quarterback to the ground, get a hit on him, make the quarterback uncomfortable, and the QB always has to look up for where T.J. Watt is lining up, which side, because he will disrupt you from anywhere he lines up on the defensive line. That's why he is number eight. Number seven, Travis Kelsey. Yes, Travis Kelsey is still the best tight end in football. And Patrick Mahomes are one of the best duos in the NFL. And Kelsey last year, again, surpassing the 1,000-yard mark. uh, is just a habit, routine for him. Uh, to pass 1,000 yards, 92 receptions, 9 touchdowns, and like I said, 1,100 yards. Another all-pro, Pro Bowl-type season. Uh, it is approaching the 10,000-yard mark, you know, which would pass Rob Gronkowski, Shannon Sharp uh, this year, which I think he'll do uh, if he gets you 1,000 yards again. And... You know, that just cements his status to me, if he does that, is one of the top five tight ends of all time. Uh, what he's done with Patrick Mahomes has just been historic in terms of tight end production, especially from a receiver, because he's like a wide receiver in a tight end body. He's slippery. He can run great routes. He can line up, you know, as a traditional tight end and on the line. He can line up outside as a wide receiver. Uh, he can make cuts, moves, uh, and he's just too big uh, for cornerbacks. And just, again, the chemistry he has with Patrick Mahomes uh, sets up so many great plays, some of them impromptu. Uh, Travis Kelsey's always in the right spot at the right time. Uh, you know, I can't say enough about Travis Kelsey and that he is uh, what he's done for the tight end position and just how great he is at that position.
which leads me to number six, which is if Travis Kelsey's, you know, so great at number seven, who helps him out? Well, number six, Patrick Mahomes, uh, you know, has just been great. You know, you know, you want to nitpick greatness so often, uh, especially when he burst onto the scene his first year in 2018. You know, one MVP surpassed the 5,000 yard mark uh, that year. You know, had 50 touchdowns was brilliant. So, can he ever get back to it? Well, this year he was pretty close. Uh, 4,839 yards, a career high 436 completions, 37 touchdowns, uh, while also having career high rushing totals of 381 yards in two touchdowns. And, you know, Mahomes is so great at the quarterback position. He's so creative. His arm angles that he practices every day in training camp and practice, the sidearms, uh, the no looks, uh, just trying to maneuver the ball into tight spaces. And Patrick Mahomes has just done that consistently. Some of the, you know, passes that they showed last night on the NFL Top 100 uh, were just sick. Uh, it's only throws really Patrick Mahomes can do. And he puts in the work to be that great. Uh, again, he has Travis Kelsey as that safety net, but he's got to get the ball to him. Patrick Mahomes is great accuracy, uh, throw power as well. I think his pre-snap is getting a little better, his composure, but he also has the leadership as well, which you want in a quarterback. And Patrick Mahomes has also won a Super Bowl, four straight AFC Championship game appearances, uh, only 26 years old. So, yeah, Patrick Mahomes is sitting just fine at number six in my top ten. Number five, Cooper Cup. I've already touched on this, but Cooper Cup had an historic season last year. You know, having the Triple Crown, like I said, 145 receptions, 1,900 yards, and 16 touchdowns. Only the fourth player since 1970 when they started tracking these stats to achieve this uh, feat of being the Triple Crown leader, uh, the fourth player to ever do that, you know, the second player since, you know, ever, first with Jerry Rice, now Cooper Cup, who, you know, had a Triple Crown, uh, one Super Bowl MVP, uh, two touchdowns in the Super Bowl, uh, and he just made big plays every year. Cooper Cup made big plays in the Super Bowl, the two touchdowns, um, NFC Championship game, uh, it was hard to contain him. The 49ers were a divisional game. Cooper Cup was always open. It seemed like against the Bucks in this whole year, it seemed like Cooper Cup was open. Uh, with his own defense, he carves you up. He finds the holes in his own defense. He knows uh, when it's man-to-man. Like I said, he's so slippery. His route running is good that you kind of just lose track of him. And next thing you know, Cooper Cup's open, and he's turning up field. For a touchdown, he truly had a historic season. Uh, total yards, if you include the postseason, was over 2,000. You know, scored 20 touchdowns. You know, Larry Fitzgerald, 2,000 
eight type numbers. I mean, it was just great, but he capped it off with the Super Bowl, uh, Super Bowl MVP. I mean, fantastic year by Cooper Cup and deserves to be uh, number five. Who do I have number four? Well, to me, it's the best wide receiver in football. It's Devontae Adams. He's the best. Again, like I said, why do I have Devontae ahead of him? It's just been the consistency. And it's, you know, the stats are, you know, comparable. Devontae, you know, isn't lagging anywhere. Uh, But Devontae Adams, you know, the size that he is, um, much bigger than Cooper Cup, faster than Cooper Cup. His route running is better. His awareness, his pre-snap, his release, his hands, you know, not fumbling. I mean, Devontae Adams is the ultimate wide receiver package right now. The fact that he's only 29 years old and he's been so consistent the past five years uh, doesn't really get deemed up or injured as well. Adams is, you know, the best pass catcher in football. He's straight cash. He's money. Uh, you know, lead has led the league in receptions and yards before in his in his uh, career. But you know, Devontae Adams, when all is said and done, is going to be one of the best wide receivers in NFL history. I firmly believe that. To me, he needs to get a Super Bowl. Uh, and I think he can get there. It's going to be a little tougher with the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, but I'm very excited to see if Devontae Adams can replicate the production that he's had with Aaron Rodgers so consistently with Derek Carr. But Devontae Adams is great. Best wide receiver out there. So, again, he's number four. But this is much like Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes. Who distributes him the football? Well, up until, you know, two weeks from now, it's been Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is sitting there at three. Back-to-back MVPs, uh, second player in NFL history to win MVP four times. The only other person, Peyton Manning, and he's done it a record five times. Aaron Rodgers is efficiency at best. 4,000 year passing yards, 37 touchdowns to just four interceptions, the third highest touchdown interception ratio of all time, and is one of the six highest marks of all time. Oh, all of which are owned by Aaron Rodgers. So, again, Aaron Rodgers is especially great. Uh, 71.8 completion percentage last year, 14 and 2 touchdown interception ratio. And 126 passer rating when trailing in games. I don't like to hear this notion that, you know, especially in the regular season, that Aaron Rodgers, you know, can't come back. Uh, You know, when he trails, you know, the pressure's not there. You know, you can say it about the playoffs. But, you know, there will be times when, you know, the Bears jump out to an early lead or the Vikings jump out to a lead or, you know, some team jumps out to leave the 49ers in the regular season as well, had the league on Aaron Rodgers. But Aaron Rodgers, in the regular season at least, usually comes up money in, when trailing in games and is great. So Aaron Rodgers, again, one of the most efficient quarterbacks of all time, 
very dangerous with the football in his hands, can make the tight throws uh, to his guys, you know, and it doesn't have to be Devontae Adams. It's been Devontae Adams the past few years, but as we've seen when Devontae goes out a game or two, he still gets wins. Uh, He's a great quarterback, you know, one of the greatest regular season quarterbacks of all time if we're ranking just regular season. Uh, To me, he's definitely – He's top three. If we're talking about regular season quarterbacks, I'd want Aaron Rodgers lining up on my team. Now, number two, much like the NFL top 100, Aaron Donald is number two. He is the best defensive player in football, and I think the best non-quarterback in football right now as well. Uh, If you want to talk about a generational talent, on the defensive side of a ball, or just in football, it's not Jalen Ramsey. Whoever said that, I forget who said that yesterday, but it's not him. It's Aaron Donald. Uh, you can't make the comparison. You can't compare Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey. You just can't. Or Aaron Donald and any defensive player right now, whether it be T.J. Watt uh, or Miles Garrett, Aaron Donald is in a class above himself. Again, the highest-rated defenders in the top 100 for five straight years, and now he's a Super Bowl champion. That's something that's eluded him. Again, the loss to the Patriots and Brady earlier in his career, where he didn't have a lot of playoff moments. This year, he had playoff moments where he put his stamp on games. Postseasons in the past, I never saw it from Aaron Donald. I saw the Packers dominate him the year before this past year in the playoffs. Aaron Donald didn't have an impact. The Super Bowl run with the Patriots didn't have a huge impact on any games. You know, Aaron Donald is great regular season, but this is the first time I saw him in the postseason really step up, and I thought he should have been the Super Bowl MVP because he clinched a game against the Niners with his rush up the middle, and same against the Bengals. Uh, he showed up in the big moments and has been a Super Bowl champion. But again, in the interior, where to me the hardest part of the defensive line is the D-tackle position, which is Aaron Donald, but gets 19 tackles for a loss last year. 12 and a half sacks, four forced fumbles. Uh, again, seven straight All-Pros, eight-time Pro Bowler. Aaron Donald is, the not to be understated, the best defensive player right now and is arguably a top-five defensive player of all time, that when it's all said and done, his name will be in the conversations with, you know, the Lawrence Taylors of the world, the Smiths, the Whites. That's how good Aaron Donald did. His his dominance doesn't always reflect on his stat sheet because of the double teams that he is on a daily, regular game basis and the triple teams as well. So Aaron Donald is sitting right there too. Who is the top spot reserved for Tom Brady, a.k.a. GOAT. That's who it's reserved for. The NFL's oldest active player at 45 is also the NFL's best player and greatest player of all time. Last year, career-high numbers in completions, 45. Career-high number in passing yards, 5,316. Led the league in both. 43 touchdowns. Oh, Led the league, uh, you know, 
He is the greatest ever do it. Again, 45 years old, won seven Super Bowls, was in contention right there last year for his eighth, and is surely going to be there this year. Uh, he owns every quarterback accolade, legendary career. Uh, again, Tom Brady is the GOAT, and you can go into all these efficiency metrics, you know, that he has, uh, you know, but to me, the one thing that stood out when watching the NFL top 100 wasn't any of the, the stats. It was an old clip they brought back of Ray Lewis and, you know, what Ray Lewis had to say about Tom Brady is when they passed on Tom Brady, you know, in the draft because everybody was you know, laughing at his combine photo, his 440 or his 40-yard time, which, you know, wasn't impressive. It was over five seconds. Uh, You know, at the time, you know, know, he wasn't, you know, the well-known guy out of Michigan that Brian Greasy was before him. You know, everybody was judging him off, you know, what they saw. They weren't judging him off the intangibles that he had. And, you know, as Ray Lewis said, he had some of the greatest intangibles ever, and that's what makes him you know, the greatest, and that's true about Tom Brady, is why he's number one. It's not just his skill, which he possesses. It's the intangibles. It's the leadership. It's the leadership Aaron Rodgers lacks. Uh, But Tom Brady has it. his pre-snap routine. It's his uh, ability to lead charge, get the offense going, but also resonate with the defense as well. You know, the second acting coach on whatever team he's been on. Uh, Tom Brady is the GOAT, is the best player of all time, and he deserves a spot at number one for now. So that's my top ten players in in the NFL right now. Trent Williams, Jonathan Taylor, TJ Watt, Travis Kelsey, Patrick Mahomes, Cooper Cup, Devontae Adams, Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Donald, and Tom Brady. Now moving on to my observations and thoughts from last week, this past week of the preseason. One of them is from yesterday's game. Mitch Trubisky versus Kenny Pickett. And, you know, to me, Kenny Pickett clearly, you know, from yesterday has the clear spot on the quarterback two spot ahead of Mason Rudolph. But, I think Kenny Pickett should be starting. I do. Uh, And the reason I say this is, you know, Trubisky's been impressive in the preseason. To me, Kenny Pickett's kind of been equally as impressive. Uh, But if I'm a Steelers, I go with Kenny Pickett here. And I say that because we know what Mitch Trubisky is. He's been in the league for five years now, four or five years. We've seen what he is. Uh, with a great, great defense, the Chicago Bears' his first year, he's able to lead them to a great record, be the pro bowler. Uh, but when his, you know, record or when the defense kind of, you know, lulled, wasn't that good, uh, you know, and couldn't really carry the team, it showed that he was just an average quarterback. He can't come from behind and win. Uh, and I think he's reached a ceiling as well. Uh, 
And you know with Mitch Trubisky, you're not going to a championship game. And, you know, the Steelers pride themselves on Super Bowls, six Super Bowls, always winning. And which, with Mitch Trubisky, you know, I think you get the Mitch Trubisky records that you have. I think you get an 8-8-1 eight, eight season, you know, or somewhere on the other side of that, which is 8-9 and nine or 9-8. Nine and eight. Uh, And that's what you'll have every year with Mitch Trubisky, constant mediocrity. And that's what Mitch Trubisky's been throughout his career, mediocre. But he's been consistent with it. Whereas Kenny Pickett, to me, has a higher upside than Mitch. You know, was third in Heisman voting last year, was great in Pittsburgh, is the hometown kid as well, which the fans in Pittsburgh obviously love to see there. Uh, But like I said, he has higher upside. We don't know what Kenny Pickett can do in the NFL. We don't know if he's a... If he's a bust, if he's going to be great, you don't know until the regular season when you put him in. And Kenny Pickett, you know, I talked to, touched on this last week. As you know, Jimmy Garoppolo learned from Tom Brady, and it worked out well for him, I believe. Whereas Jordan Love's been learning from Aaron Rodgers, and it hasn't worked out well. Uh, you know, Patrick Mahomes, you know, learned a lot from Alex Smith. But this one puzzles me. It's like, what is Kenny Pickett going to learn from Mitch Trubisky? I mean, honestly, uh, I don't think he's going to learn anything. I think Kenny Pickett should go in there. I think Mike Tomlin should start Kenny Pickett because he's got a higher chance to take them farther to where they want to reach their goals. I think Mitch Trubisky is a safer pick. I think with Kenny Pickett, since he's a rookie, you're going to have rookie mistakes. You're going to experience some growing pains. But I think it's beneficial to experience those pains. Now, last year, if Kenny Pickett were sitting behind Ben Roethlisberger, it makes sense to me. It makes sense. But sitting him behind Mitch Trubisky, that doesn't make a ton of sense to me. So if I'm the Steelers, I'd go ahead and play the high-risk, high-reward, start Kenny Pickett instead of Mitch Trubisky. What else did I learn? Well... Uh, what's his name? Daniel Jones, as I've nicknamed him, Disaster Daniel. He gets one last shot. Tyrod Taylor exited yesterday with an injury. Uh, I don't know the significance of that injury. Uh, but this is, this is Daniel Jones' last shot. Now he's had, you know, you know, an impressive preseason. I thought, you know, his first game, wasn't that good against the Patriots, just ho-hum, didn't look too good. Uh, but his second game against the Bengals was a lot more impressive. Uh, and I think he realizes this is his last shot as well. Because with quarterbacks, if you don't, um, you know, if you don't, aren't, what am I trying to say? If you don't hit in your first four years when you're on your rookie contract, uh, which Daniel Jones is, if you're not great and you're not the guy, it's very likely that you're going to get a starting job elsewhere on another team, you know, when they let you go. For example, Mitch Trubisky was with the Bears. You know, like I said, career of mediocrity. So last year, he couldn't get a starting job as a quarterback. Uh because teams know he wasn't that good. There's other options. So what was he? He was a backup behind Josh Allen on the Buffalo Bills. And I think maybe he learned a little from Josh Allen. Uh, 
But that's where Daniel Jones' career path is heading towards a Mitch Trubisky. If he doesn't get it right this year in a new system, uh, Brian Dable, where they've drafted well, uh, drafted offensive linemen to protect him. If Saquon's healthy, especially, they drafted on the defensive side. They've done things to help Daniel. Now, maybe the wide receiver room leaves a little to be desired. But if I'm Daniel Jones, I need to ball out because I want a job next year. Whether it be with the Giants or somebody else who will take a flyer on me, uh, I need to give it my all this year. I need to show up. I need to be excellent if I'm looking at getting a job because this could be my last shot at starting before I'm the next Mitch Trubisky or Josh Rosen or another team that had a high draft pick taken on him. And they don't really pan up, pan out to much of anything. Another preseason note. Baker Mayfield looks like the Baker Mayfield I saw two years ago. Baker Mayfield is fired up. To me, he is playing with that chip on his shoulder, which I like to see him play. To me, that's the best version of Baker when he is you know, amped up like he was in Oklahoma, underdog, underdog in the beginning of uh, his time with Cleveland. And now it's back to that. He's been counted out. He's been passed on. He's been traded. And Baker Mayfield looked great in his, you know, few drives that he had with the Panthers to start this game. 89 yards, two touchdowns, efficient. He looked good. He looked good. He got fired up as well. Uh, with the Buffalo defense, that's the Baker I want to see. That's the Baker that almost took down the Chiefs in Arrowhead two years ago. That's the Baker I want to see. And, you know, it's tough in the division he's in with the Panthers, but I think he can reignite his career with the Carolina Panthers. I think he can go out and prove this year that, hey, that Cleveland made the wrong decision on me. And, frankly, a lot of teams made the wrong decision as well when I was available for a trade and nobody seemed to want me. They passed on me. They drafted rookies. They signed other bridge quarterbacks. No one took a chance on me. I even took a pay cut to come to this team because this was really my only option. And Baker is fired up. Beat out Sam Darnold, I think, relatively easy uh, quarterback competition. Now it's home free. And I think Baker's going to be doing great things in Carolina this year. Another note from a preseason. The Tampa Bay Bucks offense looks good. I know they only played one drive and it's a preseason, but it was Tom Brady's only preseason action. Mike Evans was playing... Julio Jones playing, and the Bucks' offense looked good. Looked efficient, looked scary, looked methodical. Uh, I liked what I saw from the Bucks' offense. And everybody I've been listening to in the media, reading about, you know, so many people have said, you know, Brady's has to have his best year ever to carry this team. He's going to have to carry a load. For the Tampa Bay Buccaneers that he's never shouldered before, uh, you know, this offensive line 
is not good. His receivers are, you know, catch wide receivers. They're possession. They don't run after the catch. They don't get yacked. Uh, you know, hating on this Tampa Bay offense and Tom Brady. And to me, it's, I don't think anybody's learned their lesson. I don't think they've watched Man of the Arena or remember after Tom Brady won his seventh Super Bowl. But Tom Brady keeps receipts of, like, everything people says and use it as fuel, which to me is why he's the ultimate competitor ever. And everybody likes to pick on Tampa Bay's offensive line. Uh, when Tristan Wirth is the best right tackle in the game, Donovan Smith is a suitable left tackle. He's been there with Tom Brady the past few years, and he's done his job. They had Alex Kappa, who was good, and he had, a, I think, a 73.4 PFF grade last year, which wasn't great, just good. And everybody wants to talk about the loss of that, like, you know, they lost the best offensive lineman. Like, he went to the Bengals, and what a huge loss. Well, they lost him. And then they swung a trade for Shaq Mason, who had like an 89 PFF grade and is considered one of the best tackles in the game. And, oh, has some continuity with Tom because he played together in New England with him. They don't want to talk about that. They just want to highlight the deficiency of losing Kappa, not bringing Shaq Mason. Then, you know, Ali Marpet retired. Um, and Aaron Stenny replaced him. Now Aaron Stenny tore his ACL, MCL. That would hurt, but they drafted Gadecki, And I think he can suffice uh, in that role. Um, and then center, which to me was the biggest concern, was Ryan Jensen got injured. Uh, and then Robert Haynes, he just got injured in a preseason finale, uh, suffered an ankle injury. Uh, but everything looks like they'll be back by week one since uh, that was two weeks from Saturday. So, you know, I'm not too worried, especially because Tom Brady, you know, gets the ball out, you know, his hands faster than anybody else. 2.4 seconds uh, is on average because he knows where he's going with the ball. He is best at the pre-snap. He can beat the defense already before he hikes the ball. And people, I think, forget about that. Uh, so if the two tackles are good, you got Shaq Mason. That's three out of the five spots. That's more than a lot of other teams in their offensive line. Now is it the best group like I thought it could be when the season started? No, it's taken a hit. It's more of, you know, fringe top five, but still in the top ten group. And when you got Tom, Tom knows what he's doing. So I don't like hearing this narrative that, you know, Tom's offensive line is going to let him down his receivers when Mike Evans has been great with him. Chris Godwin, yes, he's coming off an ACL. But people are acting like he's coming off this ACL and has turned 50 and can't run a route anymore. Well, that's clearly not true. Chris Godwin can run after the catch. Russell Gage can. Now, Julio Jones is older. He really can't. But he can still make big plays. So I'm not worried. And they got Leonard Fournette running the ball back there. So this offense is going to be just fine. Everybody needs to hit relax and not panic. Everybody's just looking to indict Tom Brady in the Tampa Bay offense right now, uh, you know, with chemistry that he left for 11 days when Tom Brady said, hey, I'm 45. I got a lot of stuff going on. But everybody just wants to pick the faults and flaws. They just want Tom Brady to fail 
so bad because people are legitimately so miserable that he's been happy and successful for 20 plus years in the NFL. And people can't stomach that or fathom that. So they want him to fail so bad. And that's all they can talk about and focus on. And I think contrary to that, that's exactly why Tom Brady's going to have a fantastic year this year uh, and go off yet again. Because I don't know, maybe that's what he's always done. And that's what I've always seen. So yeah, there's no reason for me to adopt the GOAT right now. And my last preseason observation is Tyreek Hill is going to be electric with the Dolphins. Uh, his, you know, 50-yard catch with Tua that he connected on was great. You know, they connected early there a couple times. I think Tyreek Hill is going to be amazing with this team. Mike McDaniels, especially as the head coach, offensive coach, just Coach Debo, can use Tyreek in a similar role. But then he's also got Jalen Waddle. Uh, I really like Tyreek in this offense. I think he's going to open up this offense a lot more. Uh, Mike McDaniel will. Uh, and I think Tyreek Hill, Tua are going to have a great year. A lot of people have been picking on Tua. I'm not the biggest believer in Tua's arm strength. But I am a big believer in his accuracy. And that's all you need to do is throw down the money to Tyreek and have him make a play. That's all you need. So, yes, Electric City, here we come, Miami Dolphins. Now moving on to college football. Nebraska lost to Northwestern. Should Scott Frost be fired? I think at this point in time, he kind of wants to be fired. He doesn't want to quit. Like, he wants the breaking news. Like, oh, I got fired uh, because... What he did this past weekend was pretty inexplicable. Uh, you know, I picked Nebraska to win this game, and of course Nebraska pulls in Nebraska. You know, they're up 28-17 to in the third quarter. Uh, you know, halfway through the third quarter. And, you know, they're up 28-17. They just got a touchdown. And Scott Frost, what does he decide to do? Kick an onside kick because... You know, he says if they recover, then, you know, they can just end the game right then and there. Because that strategy always works out when there's still a quarter and a half left to play. We kick an onside kick, and it's not like the game's really over because we're only up by 11 at that point, and the success rate of an onside kick is already so low. Why try it? So they kick the onside kick, Nebraska. Of course they don't get it. And Nebraska, or Northwestern, scores a minute later. Now they're only down by four, and all the momentum you had, you've just given to Northwestern. And what makes it worse is you don't score the rest of the game after that onside kick. Uh, you know, Northwestern scores a touchdown to open up the fourth quarter, and you can't score at all the final, uh, like, 25 minutes of this game. It's pretty pathetic if you're... Scott Frost, I think he should have learned from last year. He absolutely whooped Northwestern last year. So I thought Northwestern would play better. But you're Nebraska. You had nine one-loss games last year. And this year, you do that, you open up. And another one, and now the Nebraska fans are lining up with fire and pitchforks. So, yeah, I think Nebraska 
is just about done with Scott Frost. I think this was it. I think you play it safe. You don't kick the onside kick when you don't need to because you win this game. You start new, and then your next two games are against North Dakota and Georgia Southern. So you're looking at a 3-0 and start at a positive, very positive start to the season. But instead you do that, you screw it up, and, you know, now people are looking to fire. Now it doesn't really matter if you win your next two games, which you probably will, because you just did that with Northwestern. You blew the game. Uh, so, yes, I don't think Scott Frost makes it out, you know, the end of the year now. Uh, I don't think he makes it out, uh, you know, past the end of a regular season. They give him a proper firing after the regular season. Uh, I think the end of the year, you know, come that Michigan-Wisconsin-Iowa stretch, it's very hard to envision him still being the head coach of Nebraska. What else in college football? Well, Cade McNamara and J.J. McCarthy are each going to start a game for the Michigan Wolverines. Uh, Cade McNamara starting against Colorado State, J.J. against Hawaii. And Jim Harbaugh says a decision will be made after week two to see who will be the starter and backup from there on out. Good strategy or no? I'm not a huge fan of this one. Now, I like what, you know, Jim Harbaugh did last year. and employ J.J. McCarthy at different times. Uh, to me, it's getting this feel of like, hey, if we don't play J.J. McCarthy more, you know, he could transfer, and we definitely don't want that because J.J.'s got a higher upside than Cade McNamara. It's very clear from what we saw last year that J.J.'s got, you know, talent and upside that Cade doesn't have. But what Cade has right now that I didn't see from J.J. is the command of the offense, the efficiency, not turning the ball over, you know, where J.J. McCarthy is a high-risk, high-reward. Cade McNamara plays it calm, cool, collected, and just operates this offense like a machine. Boom, 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 boom. Ten plays, 75 yards, five minutes off the clock, like clockwork. So they are two different styles of the quarterback play. Neither of them is wrong. Uh, I prefer a starter to be named. Uh, preferably, you know, I'm still going with Katie. I love J.J. McCarthy, but if I can keep J.J. McCarthy happy on the bench this year and give him that spot next year, I think that's a win-win for Michigan if you can keep this two-man ship going. Uh, But I really don't like the uncertainty until week three. Of course, it doesn't really matter much because with whatever quarterback – they're going to wipe the floor with Colorado State, Hawaii, and UConn in their first three games. So when we get into the conference schedule after that game against UConn, that we're going to need the command of the JJ or the Cade at the quarterback position. And then last but not least, Rory McIlroy wins his third FedEx Cup. Passes Tiger Woods. He's the only player to ever win three FedEx Cups. Him and Tiger Woods were tied at two apiece. So McElroy has officially done something that Tiger has never done. Uh, and I can't believe it because he started Thursday six strokes back of Scotty Scheffler. And he triple bogeyed the first hole. So essentially it was like nine uh, shots back of Scotty Scheffler with 71 holes left to play. 
So the fact that he came back after that was great. McElroy played an impressive week of golf. Scotty Scheffler played good. We was paired with who I thought was on a win with Scotty, uh, but he finished right there, runner-up. Rory uh, was great, uh, but I'm still not a fan of this current format where, you know, the player first in the standings at the end of the year gets this crazy advantage of six up, ten up on players. I think it would be better for golf if, you know, especially with the small field come the playoff final one, if it's a match style, whereas, hey, you know, you line it up like a March Madness bracket, first player plays the 30th, and then you advance from there. So it's like every day is sudden death. You know, you win one up, two and three, or three and two. I would prefer that format. I think that would be much more of a, you know, dagger type thing. I'd prefer that. Uh, but I think, you know, regardless, PGA should look at changing the format for the final uh, tour championship. Patrick Cantlay had his issues like that. Uh, I don't think they should leave it as is. But then on my final note, Roy McElroy mentioned as well, uh, took a dig at the Live Golf saying, you know, taking the, you know, lead with, at the 70th hole is pretty incredible compared to the 52nd hole. Again, because in the four days, golf players play 72 holes, where the Live players play 54. So he took a current dig there. And he says it's, it's hard to stomach that he's going to see 18 of the Live guys you know, two weeks at the DP uh, BMW PGA Championship, which I think is going to set off some fireworks. Uh, to me, that's going to be much watch golf TV. It is more than you're going to the first time since all this has shaken down. Oh, you know, we're going to see Liv and, you know, the big PGA Tour players, you know, go at it. Uh, you know, the past two majors, there really hasn't been any suspense. The live players have played, to me, terrible golf, you know, in the, you know, past major of the Open Championship. Uh, PGA really hasn't been competitive. You know, the PGA players have kind of wiped the floor with them. So it's going to be interesting to see if this one takes a turn, especially since lawsuits are now involved and just the drama that's really heated up since you know, the Open Championship a month and a half ago to see where this ends up. Uh, but Roy McIlroy will also be playing the Italian Open and another one overseas. So if they're playing their tournaments, they'll live golf over there. It's going to be very interesting to see what shakes down over there. But again, congratulations to Roy McIlroy for, you know, winning your third FedEx Cup title. You are clearly the best golfer right now. This has been Unbothered. I'll talk to you guys later. Bye, everybody.